I thank you all very much. We're going to have two scriptures that we're going to mainly have our text from today, tonight. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, Luke chapter 17. As you're turning there, you know, have you all noticed how busy the stores are and Federal Express and UPS? I mean, it's amazing how so many of you all and family members and friends, um, you'll go to the malls or... You'll just order things that come to your house. And UPS, I mean, they can't keep up. Federal Express, I mean, these people are so busy. And right now, what the news agencies are saying is Christmas looks good. In fact, what they're saying is they're reporting that people are spending more. They're feeling more confident about the future. And so because of that, this Christmas more than many others in a while now, is going to be very good. People are feeling more confident about the economy, and they're not just feeling more confident about the economy, but also they're seeing the stock market and feeling more confident. Have you guys seen the stock market? It is amazing how it's at an all-time high, but it keeps on hitting new highs and new highs and new highs as Trump has become the president-elect. Now... Many people, because they are seeing that confidence and they're feeling that confidence, not just from an economic standpoint, but also from a safety standpoint, he keeps on saying, we're going to build a wall or we're going to get stronger, we're going to get a stronger military. And so people are feeling safer as well. As that saying goes, peace through strength. And you've already seen some of the people he's already saying is going to be part of his cabinet. So many people across America are starting to feel better about the future. Now, I have to ask a question. Why did God allow Trump to win? Now, you may ask, that's a weird question. Listen, I don't believe that he could have won unless it was some not just human intervention of Christians, but it was God's help. This is the first time in decades that the Republicans have had the presidency the House of Representatives, and the Senate. It's been since the 1920s. Why? Why is this happening? Is it a King Cyrus moment? Is it a, is it a, is it a time of reprieve where many of us were worrying about and many in the, in the country are worrying about the way our country was going, our freedoms of religion, speech, were being threatened. Israel was being threatened. So many were, were fearing, were thinking, times are looking like they're going to get pretty tough. And all of a sudden, this guy wins, and now, hey, the economy, it may get better. America may get stronger, may get better. And people are feeling more confident from a monetary standpoint and from a safety standpoint. The news has reported that even Israel is feeling more confident. I believe that God did get involved. I believe probably the main reason is because of Israel, because they were being threatened. I've got news reports here, for instance, one that was just this past week. It says, a French diplomat, the French, they're right now pushing, and they're saying, we, the French, the French envoy says, um, um, our country's initiative 
is to test Israel's resolve when it comes to a solution for the Middle East peace process, that they are going to push by the end of the year to push for a two-state solution and taking away the land from Israel, the land even in Jerusalem, and to give it to the Palestinians. Now, there are forces right now that are working in this. Now that Trump has won, perhaps you've even heard him say, I want to move our embassy of the United States from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. No president has said that. Not even Ronald Reagan, very conservative president, said that. And so here the Jews are saying, we were very worried. We're very concerned. But now we're feeling more confident. It looks like, from Christianity's standpoint and Israel's standpoint, that things are looking better. Peace, safety, prosperity. But I have to tell you, it is because of this that the Bible warns that we need to be very careful, vigilant, and mindful that this is exactly how it would be when he comes back. In other words, many people are saying, oh, I'm you know, thinking that this world's going to get harder and, and we're going to get persecuted and, and we may have nuclear problems. We may have this problem. And so I was, you know, hearing and reading so many people were so fearful about terrible, terrible time. Is that what Jesus is trying to teach us and trying to warn us? Here it's talking about there's going to come a simultaneous action of it's going to be a time like the days of Noah where it was difficult times, very conspicuous signs, the ark, the Noah's preaching, the violence, and we'll see other scriptures, okay? And at the same time, people were seeing all of that. And in parallel, just like a railroad track, in parallel, people were like, hmm, hey, um, what's the, what, what, what are you going to have for lunch? Hey, uh, I'm going to be getting married. Hey, my daughter is going to be getting married, and I'm spending money to be able to get her a really nice situation. I'm buying I'm buying a house. I'm buying property. I'm selling. And business was going on in parallel. Now, let's talk about some of these first ominous signs of judgment in Noah's generation. Let's talk about Genesis 6, 11, please. It says, The earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. So here God says, Before judgment fell, In the days of Noah, before the water came and destroyed them all, the Bible says, the earth was filled with violence. The earth was filled with violence. Then it says, wickedness, uh, Genesis 6, 5, says, Then the Lord saw the wickedness of man that was great on the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continuously. So you have wickedness on one hand, and then you've had the thoughts of the people messed up sexually and everything else in their minds continuously. Third sign. The Bible says that Noah was preaching his heart out during that time. 2 Peter 2.5. And did not spare the ancient world, but saved Noah, one of eight people, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood on the world of the ungodly. Noah, he's preaching and building, preaching and building the ark, preaching and having his sons help him out. 
And this went on for 120 years. 120 years of him building the ark and trying to tell people, please, wake up. Judgment is coming. I'm doing this for a reason. There's plenty of space. Come on in. The Bible also says in Genesis that after the ark was complete, God gave him a one-week notice where he says, Noah, in one week, the rains are coming. And so you could imagine how much he preached his heart out. These signs were huge. Obviously, the boat is made. The ark is made. The animals are coming in. He's preaching one-week notice. Nothing. People are like, oh, okay. And they go on business as usual. And when you look at this ark, we have really no real conception of that. But the Bible says it's 450 feet or 150 yards, a football field and a half, 75 feet wide, 25 yards wide. And then it's 45 feet high or three stories high. Today, somebody um, made an ark, and it's in Kentucky. And to give you an idea of what it looks like, it's a replica of exactly what the Bible said. Let's show that. Let's go ahead and, um, and, and run it. Of Noah's Ark. So actually build it in a big... Now, we don't have to show the, the... But look, freeze it right there, brother. Freeze it right there. Now, that's an actual ark. That's 150 yards long, 75, um, 25 yards wide, and then three feet. Uh, uh, three stories high. That's in Kentucky as we speak. And many people are visiting there right now. It's a monstrosity. This ark was a testimony of God saying, Judgment is coming. Get ready. Listen, Noah, he wasn't an architect. He wasn't an engineer. Nor was his sons. It should have been enough for the people in Noah's generation. And it wasn't just a few people. It was as many people as are living here on earth today. Today, we're about 7.2, 7.3 billion people. There was at least that many, if not 8 to 10 billion people living in Noah's generation. With that monstrosity being built. They looked at it. They knew Noah didn't have the skill set for that. Nor did his kids. God had to have given him the engineering mind to be able to make a seaworthy craft as large as that to be able to have the ability to stay afloat with all of the rain and the storm like no other ship has ever had to do. That should have been enough for people to say, listen, maybe we ought to take notes. Maybe we ought to get in the boat. Nothing. The animals go in two by two without Noah corralling them in by the Holy Spirit. Nothing. All they did is saw all those signs, saw this monstrosity, and they did business as usual. Ho-hum! And they kept on eating, drinking, buying, selling, getting married, giving their daughters in marriage. And listen, what it's saying, what Jesus is saying there is, it's business as usual, and people had money. Is it cheap to get married? Now, the way we get married here at church, it doesn't cost that much, right? Pastor Stevens, he doesn't charge, okay? We let you use the room next door. That's for free. 
But most people in the world don't have that. Most people in the world, they'll go to churches and they have to pay the preacher guy that does it. Then they have to go out and get a haul. And how much money they spend for all of the clothing and everything else, it's an expensive, expensive engagement to do. And here in Noah's generation, I'm sure it was expensive, but they had the money. They were living in times of prosperity. All the while, wickedness, violence, and this monstrous ark is right in front of them. The Bible says that these people carried on as usual. They were preoccupied just with the matters of life. It's almost like they had been acclimated to what everything was going on. And after a while, have you noticed that you can get used to a lot of things? And so they got used to all these things, and after a while, oh well. (laughs) And they go, and they're doing everything they're doing. But they have this monstrosity. They have this violence going on in the world. They have this wickedness going on in the world that God says, I can't stand it. It's gotten here to me. But to the people... They thought, it's okay. It's all right. I'm okay with that. That's their problem. I'm going to go about my business. And Noah's preaching. It's not right. That's sin. Man, that guy's loud, man. So what were we talking about? And they just muffled and muffled the preaching. They weren't concerned about the signs. They dismissed them. And the Bible says, therefore, they got swept away. In the midst of their daily activities. Let me repeat that. They were killed and destroyed and went to hell in the midst of their daily activities because they weren't listening to the preacher. Jesus warned us that the time of his return, the rapture, and the seven-year great tribulation will be Just like that. I want us to look now at what's today's situation. How is it going on today? As I said in my introduction, people are beginning to feel pretty confident, pretty secure. The stock market, like I said, all-time high. Some are even saying that the Dow Jones may hit 21,000 or higher. People are buying more for Christmas than in years. I have a CNBC article here, and it says, Optimism on economy stock surges since Trump election. The election of Donald Trump has brought with it a surge in optimism in the United States over the economy and stocks that hasn't been seen in years. And he goes on just gushing how things are looking great. Trump, he may very well make America stronger economically, maybe even safer militarily. He's pro-Israel. He may even get what Israel has been crying out for, a real peace. Peace, be it P-E-A-C-E, not P-I-E-C-E, where they keep on taking pieces of Israel's land. Israel's been crying out for somebody that will be able to negotiate well and negotiate where both sides are doing well not just the palestinians 
And so now Trump, the negotiator, <laughs> he's coming on the scene. And you know, with his ego, he's going to try to make it to where there is a real peace treaty for both sides. I find it interesting that the Bible says in Ezekiel chapter 38 and 39 that the battle of Gog and Magog, I find it interesting that the Bible says Israel is in a time of peace with no walls, feeling securely. Now today, when you look at Israel and the news, do they feel secure and do they have no walls? No way. They are constantly, they're surrounded by enemies, rockets coming in, People trying to go in there and, and, and knife them and run them over and all sorts of things. They don't feel secure. And so consequently, they have walls that they're building up all the time. The Bible says that's not the way it's going to be when Jesus comes back in the Ezekiel 38 and 39 war. There's, something has to happen where Israel feels at peace. Could it be that everything that we're talking about right now and that Trump actually helps them and negotiates things to where they then are able to put their guard down. Trump is now getting some pretty heavy-duty people in his military team. Have you heard of a man named Mad Dog Mattis? He's a retired Marine general, and he's known for no-nonsense kick some butt. We're not going to be politically correct. If it's war, it's war. And we're going to take care of business and we're going to leave right after that. No more having our Marines, Special Forces and the like handicapped where they can't protect themselves and they can't take care of it. He's a guy that is no nonsense and immediately the enemies of the United States saw that and said, "Uh uh-oh. Freedom of religion, speech, I got to tell you, I read and, you know, I even talked to Pastor Stevens and to, you know, I talked to Pastor Greg Mitchell and many people were thinking, if Hillary becomes president, we're already thinking that in the future soon, they're pushing for churches not to be able to preach the Bible. Homosexuality, abortion, transgender and everything else. Hey, that's hate speech. If you keep on doing that. And so there was already a push to silence the church. And if not, we'll take away your tax-exempt status. And all of a sudden, Trump becomes president. And all of a sudden, the churches and Christians, they're relaxing. And they're thinking, hey, maybe we have a time here where we're able to preach the gospel more. We're going to have more time to be able to do the Lord's work. A good thing. So we can settle down. We can relax. We don't have to worry. So what's the problem? Well, this is exactly how Jesus warned it would be prior to the judgment falling and the rapture. I want us now to look at how in the Bible it says these are the signs of the days of Noah. How is it going on in our country and the world as we speak? First of all, the first Jesus first sign he said is it is going to be filled with violence. How is it in the world right now? Well, let's talk about the United States. Our police officers now it's rare that you find one of them by themselves. Now they're running, you're going two by two, 
and they're always watching themselves. It used to be that they can go to Dunkin' Donuts and not worry about it, or wherever. But now, even there was one, I believe it was last week or two weeks ago, that's in front of the police station doing his paperwork in his squad car. And some loser goes up to him and shoots him, kills him, cold-blooded. And that's happening everywhere. What is it with this violence? Shootings, colleges, high school. And, hey, we got to make sure we get rid of guns. Oh, really? Then what about those that come in with knives and running people over with the cars? Are you going to get over rid of the knives? Are you going to get rid of the cars? It's the heart. It's this violence that Jesus warned about. Terrorism is affecting the whole world right now. And the more that we allow the quote-unquote refugees to come in, it's almost like the Trojan horse, isn't it? We're allowing these people to come in, but many of them, they don't love the United States. They don't want to assimilate. And they are causing a problem all over the world. I was reading in Depka. The administration, they wanted to be able to defeat ISIS. So in October, they went after in Mosul, Mosul in Iraq, 9,000 ISIS terrorists. And so they had 50,000 Iraqi soldiers. Then they had, I'm sorry, 54,000 Iraqi soldiers, and they had 5,000 Marines, 90 warplanes, 150 heavy artillery war pieces. And they started going after these 9,000 ISIS jihadists. It was reported last week. It failed. Didn't happen. ISIS has not been destroyed. And I read that. Well, the first thing, let me just share with you. When we say Mosul, that doesn't mean much to you, but do you know that that is the new name for the ancient name Nineveh? And do you know that when ISIS went into Nineveh, Mosul, the very first thing they did is they went to the museums and everything about Jonah and how they repented and how they turned to God was destroyed. All of the history showing this was a God moment was destroyed. Everything showing that the Bible is true was destroyed. Then they went after the pastors. They started killing them, beheading them, and going to the Christians. You better leave now or the same thing's going to happen to you. And Mosul today, it's been eradicated of its Bible and godly history and heritage. So we then go out there and listen. We have the most powerful military in the world, 9,000 ISIS, 54,000 Iraqi soldiers, 5,000 Marines, 90 warplanes, all of this heavy uh, 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 machinery, and we weren't able to do it? That's not going to happen anymore. Trump, he's saying... And I'm not proposing, I'm not trying to lift up Trump. I'm not, that's not my point, guys. My, uh, I'll show you what my point is right now. But he's saying, Mad Dog, I'm going to take care of the economy. I'm going to take care of the jobs. You take care of the military. We're going to go out there and we're going to win. 
We're not going to be doing this politically correct junk. We're not going to be having our soldiers, hey, don't have bullets right now. Or don't shoot. First you wait. First, None of that. We're going to take care of business. We're going to solve this. And I believe ISIS may be taken care of shortly thereafter. He becomes president. And things are going to start looking, hey, peaceful. Hey, we're finally starting to get some traction. And things are looking good. Our world right now is more dangerous than ever. We have weapons of mass destruction going on everywhere. Before, it was just mad, mutually assured destruction of the United States and the Soviet Union. That's the only ones that really had nukes. Now, it's proliferated with many countries have nukes. North Korea, on a daily basis, you can Google it, they are always threatening, we are going to launch our nuclear missiles on you all, so you better give us money. India and Pakistan, they're always at odds, and they've had a large, significant war um, history before they got nukes. Now that they got nukes, it's very precarious. You have Russia. We can't trust them. You have China. We can't trust them. The Bible warns about these countries. I told you guys very recently about Remember Damascus, the prophecy of Damascus. Since I shared the news with you maybe two months ago, even other additional stuff has been coming out. Let me tell you what just came out. Okay, I let you guys know that in Syria, Russia, Iran, Turkey are already in there. There is so much machinery, so many planes. It's a hot spot. And the Bible says that it would be a hot spot. We saw the videos of it becoming a ruinous heap. And then I said, but the Bible says there's going to come a time where the Bible says it's not just going to be a ruinous heap. It's going to be destroyed and never to be inhabited again. Remember that? Well, just last week, for the first time ever, the Israeli Defense Forces and ISIS had a military exchange gunfire. Okay? And then you had Assad, the president of Syria, trying to move some weapons of mass destruction, chemical weapons, from Syria to Hezbollah in Lebanon. Israel knows that Russia has their S-300s and S-400s able to shoot down F-17s and most planes. Israel goes in there and destroys that weapon cachet and destroys that military airport. And Assad says, we have one enemy. When I read that, I thought, one enemy? You have all these people in Syria. You have five, six, seven years of civil war. We have one enemy. And that is Israel. And we're going to go after them. And I thought, oh, God, we are so close. We are so close to, I believe, one of the biggest signs about to happen, and that is the destruction of Damascus. And then what happened on Monday? (laughs) It is amazing. You have ISIS. They start shooting into the Golan Heights, which is the northern part of Israel. And Israel and Syria and and ISIS had a military exchange. And all of a sudden, God gets involved. Listen, guys, I believe... It wasn't just an accident. 
that Trump won and the three houses, I mean the presidency and the House of Representatives and the Congress and, and the Senate. I believe that was a God factor. But I believe we're going to start seeing a lot of God factors. And one of them happened in Israel. All of a sudden, you had this military exchange. And on the border of Syria and Israel, a large cloud shows up. Starts raining, ominous, dark. And on that side of Israel in Syria, it's raining hard on them. They can't see anything. And on Israel's side, not a drop of rain. But it's right on the border. And I want to show you guys this video. Go ahead, guys. To my right... taking pictures of this, videos of this, and this is all the way north-south, all the way down the line. They're in amazement in Israel. Thank you. And they had, guys, these comments that I want to be reading to you very quickly. It says, Biblical pillar of cloud protects Israel from ISIS over the Golan Heights. the rabbis, and many of the people in Israel who don't believe in God. They know the history. You know, we may think that Israel saved or following God. No, most of it is atheist. But all of a sudden, these soldiers, that most of them are not believers, they see this. They said, God protected us. Just like when God protected the Israelites in Egypt. Remember that? When here the Egyptian forces were coming, they were backed up against the Red Sea. And what did God do? He put a cloud, a pillar, and separating them to cloud, fire. Then they said, we remember in the Bible when God came down in a cloud on Mount Sinai in the book of Exodus. We remember the dedication of the temple when the cloud lifted the house of the Lord in 1 Kings. And so the Jews are saying, God, we recognize that is you. That isn't something that we did. You stopped that. You put a barrier between us and our enemies, just like you did in the Old Testament. And they were blown away by it. And I'm going to tell you something. In this Mosul, Nineveh moment, many of those people there are now starting to say, God, Are you going to start, the Jews, are you going to start coming and showing us yourself strong like you used to all the time? Is the world going to see that you are a supporter of Israel and we are the apple of your eye? And they're starting to get this faith going in them. You know, this, I'm going to move on now to this um, wickedness and violence that we're talking about. In the United States, the violence 
It's happening not just for the police officers, but I'll even say one that I mention a lot because I know it hurts the heart of God is abortion. Abortion since 1973 till right now, we're about to hit 60 million babies aborted in the United States alone. God looks at that. His judgment is building. And then you think about wickedness. I have here a lot of articles, but one of them is pornography. How then you have people who are believing and following Satanism. You know, we can't now put nativity scenes, but if we do, people are now starting to say, we also want to put our scenes. Let's go ahead and put that scene where they actually did that. There's a video that I'm about to show you, okay, where it's going to show the nativity scene, and then it's also going to show, go ahead. Manger with baby Jesus, and then to my left, a six foot tall display worshiping Satan. The Boca Raton community is in disbelief. This is like really messed up. During the holidays, a pentagram reading In Satan We Trust is placed in the middle of Sanborn Square between a Christmas tree and a nativity scene. I'm offended, you know, Christmas is a time to celebrate Christ's family. The display reads celebrating winter solstice as well as hail Satan, no gods. That's an easy way to get attention. They could put it somewhere else, it would be different. The group behind it is Freedom From Religion, a national foundation based out of Wisconsin, which advocates for the separation of church and state. On their Facebook page, writing, quote, away with the manger in with solstice. If there will be religious symbols, there will be atheistic and secular messages as well. And the satanic star is allowed to stay because the square is on government property in a free speech zone. You can express how you feel, but you don't need to spite someone else's holiday to get your message across. Tomorrow. So here you have our government saying, that's okay. We support that, where they're saying, hail Satan, no to God. And that's happening right before our very eyes. Transgender restrooms happening everywhere, where young little girls are in the restroom, and an old man's going in there, or in the high schools, and our kids are not safe. And I see so many articles. I, can, I just pulled out two from this week. That was in Florida, Boca Raton, Florida. We've just been seeing. But in Florida on a street, a couple having sex on the street. Kids with their moms driving. And all of a sudden, having to be exposed to that junk. Sunset Boulevard in California. A man is naked and gets on top of a bus and starts dancing and showing himself while kids and moms are right there. What is going on here? Jesus said, you're going to see a time of peace, prosperity. You're going to see a time where things are going to be getting better and where you're going to be able to be doing good business. You're going to be able to be getting married. People are going to be eating and drinking and marrying and buying and selling. All the while, you see, like this ark, the signs are so conspicuous. And people like, eh, they go about their business, just like they did in the days of Noah. Some of the other main birth pains that Jesus speaks about in these scriptures we read, Israel, the fact that it's still a nation. Listen, if you want to know what is the major 
sign that we're living in the days of Jesus and his return. It's that Israel's still around. They became a nation again, May 14, 1948. They took over Jerusalem in 1967. And ever since then, countries have been trying to destroy them. Like Iran, like ISIS, like Al-Qaeda, like his Hamas. And they haven't been able to. And not because they're so powerful, but because God is powerful. And he has to protect his word. Because the Bible says Israel will never be defeated. Israel will never be plucked out. And Jesus, when he comes back, he puts his feet in the Mount of Olives, and that's going to be his headquarters. And the Bible says, not only will Israel not be defeated, in the future, they're going to have a temple. So if they get destroyed and none of that happens, the Bible is wrong, and God will never allow inerrancy. He'll never allow an error, because God is not a God of errors. He is 100% true and 100% accurate. And that's why he has to support Israel. Another sign that has blown me away is right after the rapture, the Bible says there is an earthquake that's felt throughout the whole world. Throughout the whole world. Imagine an earthquake like that. We're now hearing about earthquakes that are pretty large, aren't we? If you guys are watching the news, we're now seeing 7.0 earthquakes or higher at a larger frequency than we ever have. They are increasing. Why is that? Because the Bible says, that if we're living in the last days, the world has to be seen. Our mantle, our earthquake structure increase in frequency and severity because there's coming an earthquake where the whole world will feel. And so when you see those large earthquakes, it should tell you, just like that ark, whoa, we're close. Be ready. And then... I want to talk about the economy, where so many people are thinking, the economy is going to get great again. But I see ominous economic clouds on the horizon. Our economy right now, we owe, we're about to hit, we're at $19.94 trillion of debt. Listen, when President Obama became president almost eight years ago, we were at $10 trillion, And he said, it's unpatriotic. Remember that? It's not right that George W. Bush got us into so much debt. When I become president, that's going to become much lower. And I'm going to watch our budget. Well, from George Washington to Bush, George W., all of those years, it took all of those years to hit $10 trillion of debt. But Obama, instead of lowering it, now we've doubled it. What took over 200 years... He's done in eight years. In other words, our debt is increasing at a, at a rate that we can't support. And the Bible says that would be the situation in the last days. What do I mean by that? Well, the Bible says in Revelation chapter 6, there's going to come a time where it's going to be a day's wages for a loaf of bread. Hyperinflation. The currencies of the world, not just the United States, are going to become worth less and less and less. So you're going to have to have more currencies to buy that same product. And the Bible says it's going to cost you a day's wages. Say you're making $8 an hour. Let's make it easy. $10 an hour times 8 hours, that's $80. The Bible says there's coming a time where you're going to need $80 just to buy a loaf of bread. 
And right now, we see that that's happening in some parts of the world. Read your newspaper or the internet about Venezuela. It's hyperinflation. And it's not just there. Because the United States, Japan, China, Europe has been printing money without anything behind it. And the Bible says, when you see that happening, it's like these large signs. Know what's around the corner. The Bible says that there will be not many currencies. It'll be a one system. It'll be a cashless society. A one currency system. A mark of the beast. Now, I have some articles here that real quickly I'm going to go through them. It says, <clears throat> says um, could India be the first country to get rid of cash? And then it says, Specifically, China already boasts futuristic banks where you can set up an account in one minute in just a mobile, with just a mobile phone number, you, your national ID number, and a selfie. <laughs> in the U.S., more than 80% of the consumer spending is already cashless. And then, listen to this, Mark of the Beast. Okay, Japan. Japan has now made tags to help dementia sufferers with barcodes. And then, in the United States, there's a bill that's being proposed that the federal government will equip disabled individuals with tracking devices. Now, when we hear the mark of the beast and 666, it's not going to be that way. They're not going to try to, in the future, say, we want everybody to get the mark of the beast. Well, nobody's going to want to do it. But if it's something that's good, if it's something that's going to help you not to have all these keys and numbers and passcodes and passwords and so on, why not? If it's going to help somebody who has dementia and can't remember, and in Japan where they have such an older population and people get lost, but you can put a chip in them or you can put a barcode on them, you can put a tattoo that's RFID on them, and they will be able to be identified wherever they go. Why not? That's a good thing. If we go to a hospital and you have a baby and somebody takes that baby and it's not their baby, but if you have a chip or if you have some kind of a barcode on there and the nurses are able to make sure that doesn't happen, why not? If you have somebody at the border and you say, instead of saying, American citizen, sir. American citizen, sir. American citizen, sir. Whatever, however you say it. But you avoid all that and you have a permanent mark on you. And they're able to know if you really are an American citizen or not. I have a video here. I'm about to show you guys. But in the United Arab Emirates, uh, uh, United Arab uh, Emirates, their telecommunications company just is invented a microchip where you can pay everything with the chip implanted in the back of your hand, and it's just like the mark of the beast. You can't, it's easily put in, no pain. You go to your house, you go to your car, and you don't need keys. You just do that, and it opens up your car, opens up your house, your computer, everything. It's wonderful. But it's exactly what the Bible says. All the technology is here. Just like in the days of Noah, the signs are here. That boat was monstrous. The animals going in there 
were going in by themselves. The wickedness, the violence. And people would just go, eh. So what's for dinner? Hey, so when are you getting married? Yeah, I'm saving up for my daughter's um, wedding. And it was business as usual. So when people tell you, well, I believe we're about to enter some hard times, maybe the Great Depression, maybe persecution where many of us are going to be dying. I'm not saying it's not possible. But what I read from the Bible is Jesus said, when I come back, it'll be like the days of Noah. These signs are going to be so clear, but yet people are going to feel confident to be able to be buying and selling spending money on their daughter's wedding, eating and drinking. Listen, in the Great Depression, people weren't doing a lot of weddings. In ISIS, Syria, and those nations, people aren't doing a lot of weddings. They're not doing a lot of buying and selling. They're just trying to survive. And the Bible says that Jesus warned, when you see these signs, get ready. Be ready. Be vigilant. Look at this scripture that Jesus warns in Matthew chapter 24, verse 37 through 42, as I ramp down, as I close. Matthew chapter 24, verse 37 through 42. It says, But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. And they did not know until the flood came and took them away. And so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Then two men and then two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and the other left. Watch, therefore, for you do not know the hour your Lord is coming. He's saying when you see these things coming, there's going to be two people. And they're going to be there. One's going to be taken and the other will be left. Watch. So how should we be living in these situations? Watching, preparing. And then, let's look at 1 Thessalonians 5, 1 through 6. It says, But concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, sudden destruction shall come upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman. And they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all the sons of the light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. In these scriptures, the Bible is trying to tell us, watch. You're a child of the day. Act like it. Stop living that life. Don't you see the signs? Don't you see the parallel? Listen, one of the ways that the Bible proves itself, it's prophetic. It talks about the future. And what we've talked about, Damascus, Israel, it is amazing. And with some of the things that I've shown you, listen, guys, what I showed you today was just in the last week, week and a half. I could have stayed here a lot longer. I have much more, but I've only got this time. It is amazing how things are happening so quickly. God is trying to say, stop with the games. Get, become watchful, become vigilant, 
Because your Lord, the Bible says in Luke 21, 28, when you begin to see all these things, look up for your redemption draweth nigh. What he's saying is, real soon, you're going to be redeemed from this place. The money doesn't matter. The number of houses and cars and jewelry and whatever else that you have doesn't matter. Do you know Jesus is what matters? Are you prepared for eternity? Because in the days of Noah, listen, I can't understand it. How could it be that there was seven, eight, nine, ten billion people and only eight people were saved? I don't understand it. But then I do. People, Jesus said, saw those signs and they became acclimated and go, eh, and they went back. And when the floods came, they weren't ready. I pray with all my heart, we learn from this. We get wisdom. We see what Jesus is trying to tell us, and we say, thank you, Lord. Thank you. I see it, God. And God, I don't want to be like the days of Noah. I want to be ready. Amen? I'd like to have every head bowed and every eye closed in the presence of God, please. Oh, God, I pray right now, Lord, that people would be sober. People would be watchful. People would be repentant, and people would learn, Lord, what your word says. How, God, it's so evident, so obvious, God, that these are like the days of Noah right now. And they are saying peace, safety, prosperity. And yet all of these signs are going on. The wickedness, the violence, the large signs we're seeing in the world, God, because you love your people and you're trying to warn them. I pray right now, God, that people would take this warning and that they would follow you, that they would repent, that would change their ways, Lord. I pray for right now in this altar, God, that people would stop rebelling against you, live right, and use their time, whatever time you have left for us, wisely. If there's anybody here right now, and you heard all of this, and your heart's racing right now, because you know you're not ready. If the rapture were to happen right now, Could you honestly tell God, I'm ready? Because if not, God is trying to tell you, I love you. I love you. And because of that, I have warned you. I've given you this information so you can stop playing your games and get ready and start following my son, following his holy word, obeying it. And if that's you and you haven't been doing it, I beg you right now, give your life to Christ. Get on your knees. Come to this altar and say, no more, God. I see it. I see it. And I'm ready to come back to you. I'm ready to get saved, God. If that's you, raise up your hand to God. Raise up your hand. Say, God, that's me, God. Forgive me, God. I see it, God. Lord, I see these signs. And God, I'm right now not right. I am right now not saved, God. I don't know you. I'm not living right. I'm backslidden. And that's me, God. And God, no more games. I am going to get my heart right. I'm scared right now, God. And if you're scared, that's a good thing. God is trying to wake you up. But it's a bad thing if you don't give your life to Christ. And you leave this place without giving your life to Christ. Then all of this warning and God's word and his Bible was for nothing in your life. Because you, like the people of Noah, blew it off and dismissed it. Please don't be like the people in Noah's generation. Give your life to Jesus. If that's you, and you right now want to get your heart right, cry out to God. Say, God, that's me, God. Save me. Raise up your hand right now. Lift your hand. Not to me. 
but to God. I see that honest person. Thank you for that. Anybody here who's going to be joining this honest person? Anybody else here? I know there's more people. I know there is. God is speaking to you. Don't worry about what this person or that person is going to be saying. Get your heart right now. Please. This could be your last opportunity. You don't know what's going to happen tonight or tomorrow. It's time, guys. Don't you see? It's not just me that's telling you this. I mean, I'm nobody. It's the word of God. Obey Jesus. Obey his word. If that's you, join this honest person. Anybody else? Anybody else here? God, that's me. I see that honest person. Anybody else here? Anybody else? Backslider, please. You're not living. Know it. Stop playing games. Please, please give your life back to God. Come back to Jesus. He loves you. Anybody else? Join these two honest people here that are going to get their hearts right. Anybody else? Raise your hand to God. Anybody else? I know there's more people. I want to hold it a little bit longer because I know that God is touching you right now. He wants you to surrender and to have wisdom and to learn from these people in Noah's generation. Anybody else? Anybody else? Backslider. Unsaved person. All right. For those of you who raise your hand, come on. Come on, brother. In fact, just stay there. Stay there, brother. Come on, Junior. Robert's going to be um, helping Junior. And then I need somebody to pray for him right here, please. You can stay there, brother, if you want, and I'll just have somebody go. Whatever you want. Or you can come here. Okay, brother. But somebody can come pray for him, please. All right, guys. Christians. Boy, I tell you what. As I study these things and I look at what's going on in the world, I mean, push back on me if you think, I don't think I'm exaggerating. I just showed you what's going on right now. Amazon in their stores, that pillar of smoke, the cashless society, Israel shooting down and destroying those, those weapons in Syria, and Syria saying, uh-oh, now you crossed the line. We're now going to go after you. And we could very well this coming week or real soon see the destruction of Damascus, exactly what the Bible, and I believe that's going to happen, but it could happen before the rapture or after the rapture, but we're seeing these effects right now. How is that moving your heart? How are you reacting? Are you looking at that and going, yes, Lord, I see it, and God, I'm living right, I'm loving you, and I'm trying to get souls saved, God, or are you like the people in the days of Noah? Ho, hum, go back to what I was doing business as usual. The signs are conspicuous. The signs are big, and yet you're not acting like it. It's time to get wisdom, to learn, so we can be ready, guys, and so we can help others be ready. I want to open up the altar. Come talk to God. Make some commitments to God. Tell Him what you're going to be doing in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Every time.
If I can have everybody stand to their feet, stand to their feet. You know, I am so grateful that God has shown us his word and he shows us all of this. And he warns us as a loving father would warn their child of things to come. He loves us. And so he warns us, guys, I believe that we should be showing him gratitude by thanking him, praising him. And by then, obeying him. Obviously, obeying, you're going to have to do on your own. But what I want to do right now is I want us to be able to praise God right now and thank you. Just say in your heart and cry out, thank you, Lord, that you have saved me and that you have shown me this. Let's praise him right now, guys. Thank you, my God. Thank you, Lord God, for saving us, God. Thank you for showing us your word, my God. Your word is true. You are a good God, Lord. You have shown us your word, God. Thank you for prophecy, my God. Thank you, my God. It verifies your word. Thank you, my God, for saving us, my God. Oh, rolo rabba babasa. Rolo rabba babasa. Chobo rolo rabba babasa. Thank you, my God. Rolo rabba babasa. Rolo rabba babasa. We praise you. We thank you. We glorify you, my God. God, hallelujah, for our blessed hope, Lord God. Thank you that this world is not our home, Lord. Thank you, my God. You're coming back for us, Lord. In Jesus' name, we thank you and we praise you, my God. In Jesus' name, we thank you, my God. In Jesus' name. Just as the Jews saw this week, that pillar of smoke, that rain, that cloud that separated them from their enemies, and it stopped them in their track, and on their side, no rain, and they were blown away by it. I believe what the Bible says, that very soon, all Israel will be saved because God is going to show himself strong, and I believe I'm waiting, I'm looking for us praying for our moms and our dads, and our relatives, and all of a sudden, we see the Pepe Siqueiros rise up. 
We see the Marys rise up. I am waiting for us to get our minds blown away, guys, that as we in obedience go and try to see our families and others saved and healed, all of a sudden, I didn't pray anything different than I have for years, and it's happening because the God factor is about to kick in for those who are being obedient and looking for it and waiting for it. Let's be those people that get God's grace to fall on us, his Shekinah glory, and we're about to see the power of God. Amen? So we praise God right now. You keep on praising him. But the thing that we're going to do when we walk out these doors is obey him and get other people saved. It's not right. It's not good that we are saved and we're ready. But our families and our friends and our coworkers, they don't even know about all of this. If they knew, listen, prophecy, it verifies the Bible and it shows God is God.